Welcome home, and thank you for joining us here on the Real Life Church Podcast. We are people of faith with the voice of hope who are known by love. We hope you enjoy this message. Good to be in the house of the Lord today. Hallelujah. Man, I think the gospel's already been preached here today, man. Wow. I'm going to ask you guys to stand with me, and we're going to continue our our worship and um, the scriptures and studying today. Uh, we're going to read from Matthew chapter 21, uh, 11 verses from the New King James Version. And this is um, the story of uh, what we know today as Palm Sunday. Um, that's not what they called it on this day. But uh, we'll we'll learn a little bit more about that today, and I'm excited about um, what God is doing. And again, I feel like it's already kind of been spoken here today, but that's confirmation for us. So this is a beautiful thing. Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. And this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you. Look at your neighbor and just say, your king is coming to you. Wow. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went. And did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So so the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. And, uh, man, let's, let's pray, and then we'll dive into this story together. Father, we love you, and we celebrate today. We, we don't just go back in time and remember a day of victory, a day of celebration a long time ago. Today, Lord, we celebrate again. We, we remember again. We celebrate again the victory that wasn't just wrought on that day, but is still having ongoing impacts and effects in our life here today. For Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
God, we honor you. We worship you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. And now we thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to open our eyes to see Jesus afresh and anew. Knock off the cobwebs, God. And, and if anybody has scales on their eyes, may they fall off today. And may our hearts be transformed as we see and experience the real Jesus. Holy Spirit, glorify Jesus among us. Lift him up. And God, we will be faithful to give you all the thanks and all the praise in the name above every other name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Wow. You know, as we gather here today and um, we're, we, we gather rejoicing, but we also gather remembering right like suffering is happening all over the world and even this uh this week um we lived in nashville tennessee for almost 13 years and so the school the place that, that the uh girl went in this week um does everybody know the story i'm talking about if not you probably need to come into the 21st century and leave uh flintstones and the 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 rock village or alone but um but I, I know exactly where that place is. I know exactly where that exists. And so, um, you know, I, I can't help but feel empathy and compassion because when it's somewhere you don't know about, it feels, okay, well, but when you know. And, and, and you know what I mean? I can take you there right now. I don't need a GPS. I, I drive all of us there right now because I know where it's at. And, and, and as I've been wrestling with that, and our country's been wrestling with that, right? that there's ways in which um, I, I began to understand that the anger, bitterness, offenses, um, unforgiveness, rage, gangs, thugs, brutality, violence, murder, they're not just words. They're lifestyles. They're mindsets their belief systems and actions that only appear to us as random events. But you don't do those things unless you've believed the lie. You don't do those things unless you've meditated on it, thought about it, adopted it, and, and agreed that this is a, a, a form of action that's justifiable. And Jesus brought and taught the kingdom of God. And he said, repent, the kingdom of God is here. Ah, it's in your midst. We did a series a while back called Now Here, that the kingdom of God is, it's now and it's here and it's in your midst. It is among you. And to his followers, he says, it is within you. The Apostle Paul, in his rabbinical ways, the kingdom of God is such a massive idea and topic and reality that he tries to boil it down so that the believers in Rome could have something that they could easily identify of what kingdom is. And this is what he says in Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Ah, so good. That's what Jesus was bringing. That's what Jesus was bringing. This kingdom stands in total opposite and antithesis to the hate, the greed, the lust, and violence we see in the world today. The kingdom of God within a person 
produced a completely different way of living life, a completely different mindset, a new belief system. The culture created by those who live in kingdom produce life, real life, abundant life, righteousness, peace, and joy. And what we don't understand, the, the Bible says when the righteous rule, the whole land rejoices. When righteousness begins, the flowers begin to bloom different. The water begins to, the land that was barren begins to come alive. Isaiah 35 prophesies about a people who begin to understand that they are the righteousness of God and the physical universe begins to respond to the righteousness of God. The Israelites, the people, when they were crying out, Hosanna, what they they were crying out was overthrow Rome but what God was saying no I'm gonna overthrow the corruption inside of you I'm gonna overthrow the corruption the manipulation the sin the hate the anger the unforgiveness the the murder that's eating humanity at its core I didn't come to just overthrow a kingdom because y'all put somebody else stupid in that place and it'll repeat all over again so if we're going to change things it has to happen from the inside out. That's why Jesus does the work only he can do. Only he can give us a new heart. Only he can tear down the strongholds. Only he can remove the lies. He's coming after the lie. And that's what he was doing in those moments. You think you just need someone to externally come and, and fix it. But the problem's internally. It's an inside job. There's a leprosy you can't see that's eating the humanity's guts out. Wow. Kingdom life produces a whole new vibration in the air, a whole new tune, a whole new system, a whole new rhythm of life that, that causes everything to begin to come into harmony and unity. When Jesus brought righteousness, it wasn't just the fact that he said, okay, I forgive you of your sins. No, righteousness is a right way of being. It is right relationship. It's not just right standing. The Bible, and let me not get ahead of myself. The Bible says all kinds of stuff. I want us to, again, look at Palm Sunday together as a family, as a people. And I want us to recapture, to look again to the story and experience the essence and the weight of this moment. It is so much more than just a cute reminder or a stale, empty tradition. What is Palm Sunday? What does it mean? And why should we care? What, what does it mean for us, right? Okay. I'm going to tell you, even if you don't want to know, <laughs> you're here now, so here you go. Uh, what is Palm Sunday? Just so we'll connect to what it has been and we'll connect to all of this. So what is Palm Sunday? It has stood as a Christian celebration for over 1,700 years. It marks for Christ followers around the world the beginning of Holy Week. Everybody say Holy Week. Seven days. Seven days. God created 
the heavens and the earth in seven days. For for Christians around the world, we got to know what we believe, guys. We got to know what it is we're practicing. We got to know what it is that we belong to and embrace what God has been doing. So God created the heavens and the earth in, in seven days, right? But in Holy Week, he recreates everything in the next this Palm Sunday is the inauguration. It is a renaissance into a new way of being in the world. Jesus didn't just come to take away sin. He came that we who did not know righteousness would become the righteousness of God in Christ. <laughs> it was no longer about what we could do. He did what we could not do so we could become what we could not become. We'll get into it. It's good. I promise. It's, so uh, the seven days for a new creation. The Bible says if anybody is in Christ, they are a new creation. So for Palm Sunday marked the beginning of Holy Week, a week where Christ followers would pause and remember the sufferings of Christ. Many would even visit Jerusalem and walk the holy sites. They would visit the Mount of Olives, the Garden of Gethsemane, where his, where his prayers and his tears became drops of blood that fell from his face. They would remember the Garden Tomb and visit the Garden Tomb, the upper room where Jesus would break bread and share with his disciples the truth of his broken body. They would visit all these kind of places, and their observances would be hymns and prayers and Bible readings as people traveled throughout all the holy places within the city. The final place was where Jesus ascended into heaven in the book of Acts. While he's looking to his disciples, he says, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. And while he's having that conversation in that moment, the, he just begins to and so that's where they would, they, would, they would go to the last known location, right? And I love that so much. And, and it was at the place of his ascent that they would begin to um, recite the biblical passages and remember the Palm Sunday story. And as they would do that, they, they would remember Jesus' victorious entrance into Jerusalem. That was during the day. They would come back in the evening as the, as the dusk was approaching and they would, they would uh, actually bring palm branches. Bring me those palm branches. I, couldn't, I wanted to wave these during worship the whole time and just smack some of y'all with them or something. No, I just kidding. But they, they began to cut down the branches in remembrance. For 300 years, there was no such thing after Christianity as Palm Sunday. But when they begin to gather, when they begin to remember the story, when they begin to understand the sign language, all of a sudden they begin to, to cut down the palm branches and go out into the city to retell the story that Christ the victor has come, that the war is over, the peace is come. He is the king of peace. He is the king of righteousness. And the kingdom of God is here, and it is now. And, and they would go around, and, and I love how we read that, that story where they would, uh, they would take off their clothes, their suit coats, I don't know, what I, you know, their tunics, and, and cut down branches. And, and all this was an incredible sign of honor. But the palm branch, the palm frond, is a symbol. Everybody say a symbol. 
It's a, it's a symbol of victory. It's a symbol of victory, of triumph, of peace, and eternal life originating in the Eastern and Mediterranean world. A palm branch was awarded to victorious athletes in ancient Greece. A palm frond or the tree itself was the most common attribute of victory personified. Like this is the symbol of victory. John 12, 13 says of the citizens, they took palm branches and went out to meet him. They didn't just say something, they showed something. They didn't just say he was, they, they showed something. And listen, guys, there's the thing in Christianity that sometimes we forget. God uses sign language. For those who can't hear, who are deaf, we have a language we use with our hands called sign language. And we've created our own Sign for real life. <laughs> this is R in sign language, and this is L, so we just like, hey, real life. Um, <laughs> uh, so, but sign language is what God uses or what we use to communicate to those who can't hear. Are y'all with me? So God has sign language. God has ways of speaking to people who aren't yet ready to hear or can't hear what's being said. So God uses sign language. So good. Guys, the miracles that Jesus did are called signs and wonders. He didn't just heal people, although he totally healed people, but the healings themselves were signs and wonders to those who couldn't hear yet. So God has sign language, and I think this is so cool. Um, we are a culture saturated with words. I mean, uh, sometimes for us, we forget that there even is sign language. And I'm not referring just to deaf people, but I'm referring to the language of symbols, signs, icons, and markers. Christianity uses such language. And we, we have to remember again, guys, that this was not written in the 21st century by an American person. This was a completely different culture. And signs and symbols and markers and icons were big deals. I mean, when they saw the priests who had the, the Urim and Thummim, I mean, like, God was using the signs to teach the people. And, and over and over, um, from the, the lighting of the candles, from the bread and, and, and the wine and, uh, and, and the incense, all of that was sign language to the people. But if we're not careful, we'll, we'll miss the sign language. But God was using the sign language. Um, the cross, the spike, the dove, right? As soon as we see those. They're hinting at something to us, right? They're pointing at something for us. I'm reminded that even in case you think I'm just cray-cray, when it rains, what happens after it rains? A rainbow happens. What is the rainbow for? It's a sign of a promise from Almighty Yahweh. And it's a sign to all of humanity. So God uses sign language. People who really begin to walk in the Spirit become way more aware of 
coincidences, way more aware of numbers, way more aware of, of, of the sign language that God is using to speak to them. Um, our whole worship includes the use of symbols and signs, communion, baptism, anointing with oil are just a few. And we know that they're bigger than sign language. They're actually experiential. And, you know, there's a way in which um, in, in Catholicism that they leave Jesus on the cross, right? Everybody knows this. But why do they do that? So part of their, their devotion is called the 12 stations of the cross, but it ends with you sitting before Jesus hanging on the cross, and it doesn't need to say anything except what it's already portraying. You just need to allow what you're seeing to speak deeply enough, to ask the questions, to search your soul, to look upon it, to consider it. And so God is, God is using these things throughout humanity the truth is, and I love this, the palm branch is our sign we're dealing with today. The palm branch is a sign of victory. It signals an end to a conflict, a victory won, a revolt that has already begun. The Jesus Revolution has been happening for 1,990 years. You know, I'm tired of everybody saying, oh, for 2,000 years. No, it's not 2,000 years. It'll be 2,000 years in 10 years. 2033 A.D., there are movements across the world who want to preach the gospel to every creature on the planet. So when the 2,000-year anniversary of our Lord comes, we have taken his commands, we have taken his word seriously, and we have reached the nations with his gospel. And... Um, but the Jesus Revolution has been happening for 1,990 years. Y'all ready for this? Y'all awake? Y'all good? Y'all good? Okay. Um, this is so cool to me. Uh, God has been changing hearts like crazy all over the world. Matter of fact, I even saw an Instagram video this week, guys, of 2,800 young people lined up on the coast of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, getting baptized, who went to, to Fort Lauderdale to have spring break and lose their mind and commit stupidity. And they, what they found when they got there was Jesus was waiting on them. I'm talking this week, guys, not this week. 2,800 people. I saw the photos. I saw the videos of the line going all the way down the beach with people trying to suntan and, and them coming up and cheering and shouting and praise and worship going on as the revolution continues. I love the fact that the, the, the story, the movie that just came out, the Jesus revolution is beginning to reignite, to re-spark, to remind us of our inheritance in God. And just in case you think this is just some little thing done in a side corner, I love the fact that when the disciples got bold enough to start talking about what Jesus had done in their lives, this is what they tell the leader. Listen, this thing was not done in a corner. This was done openly. This was done publicly. Everybody knows the miracles, the signs, and the wonders that God, who raised up Christ from the dead, has been doing all over the world. So good. Christianity is growing like crazy in South America, Africa, and Asia. So cool. Listen to this. In Africa, in 1910, there were only 8.7 million Christians in Africa. 
In two years, there will be 600 million Christians born again, filled with the Holy Spirit in Africa. Spirit-filled Christianity is the fastest-growing sect of Christianity by far. According to scholars and sources, Pentecostalism is the fastest-growing religious movement in the world. This growth is due to converts coming to Christ. According to the Pulitzer Center, 35,000 people every day in the world get born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. According to scholar uh, Keith Smith of Georgia State University, many scholars claim Pentecost is the fastest growing religious phenomena in human history. According to scholar Peter L. Berger of Boston University, the spread of Pentecost is the fastest growing movement in the history of every religion. According to a report by Singapore University, more people in Southeast Asia are converting to Christ. They are not just the peasants, they are Chinese business managers. And according to scholar Juliet Koenig and Heidi, Heidi Dalles of um, University of Amsterdam, there is a rapid expansion of charismatic Christianity from the 80s onward. Hang in here, it keeps getting better. Singapore, China, Hong Kong, Taiwan, Indonesia, and Malaysia have the fastest growing Christian communities in the world. Asia has the second largest Pentecostal charismatic Christians of any other continent where they don't just raise their hand and say a prayer and hope God makes them rich. It will cost them their family. It may cost them their job. It may cost them persecution. They may be thrown in jail, but you can't stop it. Listen to this. Listen to this. 500,000 Chinese people every single year give their life to the Lord Jesus Christ and get filled with the Holy Spirit. What? So good. Wow. And uh, Asia has the second largest Pentecostal uh, Christianity of any continent with a number growing, watch this, watch this, from 10 million to 135 million in the last 30 years. Wow. Palm Sunday was the launch of this. Palm Sunday was the inauguration. Palm Sunday was when the king rode in on a donkey and said, I'm here to change everything. I'm here to shift everything. I'm here to make it all new. And as we suffer with the violence we see and the chaos we see and the, the wickedness and the iniquity we see, don't let the devil fool you. He is losing. The, the darkness is being driven out. I mean, God, this is, this is amazing stuff. And God is doing it once again all over the world. Matter of fact, he just never stopped. Man, Palm Sunday was the launch. The Israelites were praying for a king, a savior who would bring the kingdom of God and rescue them. And their king rode in on a donkey, signifying the end to a conflict. He entered the city fulfilling the ancient prophecy and using sign language to announce a new day is dawning. Mm. The donkey, too, was sign language. It meant peace. 
it was a prophetic sign to the people of Israel that the battle is won. And it was announcement to the demons and hordes of hell you're about to lose. The Jesus revolution started with the cutting of palm branches and a shout of Hosanna. And it's been going on for 1,990 years. And the darkness is being driven away. And the devil wants you to think you're on the losing end. Does this even matter? Listen, the, the, the Bible says he wants to wear down the saints. But when you really realize the devil is defeated not gonna be he is defeated he got jesus has spoiled principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in his cross look at your neighbor and just tell him the devil is defeated <laughs> oh my gosh mm. wow for the first 1,100 years, our early church fathers taught this, okay? First 1,100 years, our early church fathers taught us Christus Victor, how Christ entered into human misery, listen, listen, entered into human misery and wickedness and then redeemed it. The church father's theory was not that the crucifixion was a payment for a ransom to the devil, but rather it represented the liberation of humanity from the bondage of sin, death, devil, and destruction. As the term Christus Victor indicates, Christ the victor, the idea of ransom should not be seen in the terms of some business transaction, but more in the terms of a liberation of humanity from the slavery, sickness, and sin. You can be stuck in sin if you want to, but you'll choose to stay stuck because the power of it has been broken. Wow. This is good news. Paul called it the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes it. Jesus came riding in on a donkey as a king, not the king of war, but the king of peace the king of righteousness. For 2,000 years, I can't help but wonder, have we understood the sign language yet? Most people begin a revolt by starting a war and taking lives, right? Jesus starts a revolt by ending a war and laying down his own life. Jesus inaugurated a whole new way of living. Those who are being born again are participating in the kingdom of God. Listen to this where we are more interested in healing each other instead of hating each other. We are more fascinated with reconciliation than retribution. We are more invested in hope than hate, making friends instead of foes, in harmony instead of harming each other, more interested in compassion than combat and tranquility over tumult and turmoil. The kingdom of God was launched with the creator of the universe riding in on a donkey and the people cutting down palm branches and saying, victory is here. I, I wonder, do y'all believe that? No, I'm serious. I'm not playing with you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you, do you believe that Jesus Christ is Christus victor? He won the victory, the powers of 
death, hell, grave, sin, iniquity, bondage, slavery, has that the price has already been paid. The emancipation proclamation has already been issued. You are now free because of what Christ has done. But what if you're a slave and you don't know about it? What if you're a slave and no one ever told you you're free? Then you'll continue to live like a slave. Or what if they told you and you didn't believe it because you weren't good enough and you weren't holy enough and and you don't know how bad of a slave I've been, so I'm just going to stay a slave. It's our duty, beloved ones, to announce to the whole world the victory of our God and our King, to announce the righteousness of God. The peace of God is now available to whoever will. Let him come. Let him drink. Let him eat. Come to the table of life and eat freely. You're free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Palm Sunday is about freedom. It's about victory. It's about that he overcame. Man. The Emancipation Proclamation. Neil, if you want to come. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. This is so cool to me. Y'all ready for this? Look at the screens. Follow me with me just for a moment. Galatians 5, 1. Let me be clear. The anointed one has set us free. Not partially free. Completely and wonderfully free. We must cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into a life of bondage. The people cried, Hosanna, Hosanna, Lord save us. While you were talking in John 12, right before this, there was a few um, people, men who had come that were wanting to see God. They were from afar off, and they had talked to one of the disciples. And they said, what do we need to do? And I just wanted to read this. This is in John 12, 23. He says, now is the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. Let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies. Because when it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat, all because one grain died. And we may ask, okay, God, how do, I, how do I do this? Listen, the person who loves his life and pampers himself will miss true life. But the one who detaches his life from this world and abandons himself to me will find true life and enjoy it forever. If you want to be my disciple, follow me and you will go where I am going. And if you truly follow me as disciples, the Father will show his favor upon your life. And he goes on to say he's, his heart and his soul is in turmoil because he knows his hour trials at hand. But he wants to fulfill his purpose. I'm just kind of going down. In verse 30, it says, Jesus told them, The voice you heard was not from my benefit, for, but for yours. From this moment on, everything in this world is about to change. For the ruler of this dark world will be overthrown. 
And I will do this when I am lifted up off the ground and when I draw the hearts of the people to gather them to me. Part of the message of Jesus Christ is 1 John 3, 8. And the Apostle John writes these words, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So what part is defeat in this? I didn't read that in the story. I did read that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded neither death nor life nor angels or principalities or powers nor things present nor things to come will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Neither height, death, any other thing. And, and guys, there is a praise that comes out that burst out that overflows when you begin to understand the victory that is being won. There is, there is a, 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 a fount the enemy can't drink of. There is a grace being released in our lives. And I just wonder how many of us live life with a palm branch, declaring the victory of our God over every problem, over every struggle, over every trial, over every need, over every hurt, over every disappointment. There is a king who reigns victorious over them all. And he's worthy to be worshiped, and he's worthy to be praised, and he's worthy to be glorified. And if the enemy can get your mind on all your problems and all, all your struggles, the Bible says he'll begin to choke the word of God in your life. But when you can learn to not let your problem, your issue, your struggle define you, but the victory that was won at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ begin to define your victory, then your victory ain't got nothing to do with you working hard on it. Neil already said he fought the battle, he won, and he calls us victorious. Not just victorious, more than conquerors through him who loved us. Man. <laughs> so I'm here today echoing the voice of the emancipation of proclamation. You don't need to be a slave to sin anymore. You don't need to be a slave to the darkness anymore. You don't need to be bound by the works of the enemy anymore. God has sent Christ and announced victory over your life. Now all you got to do is trust him with your whole life. It's right here in this moment. Unashamedly. Jesus died on a cross publicly, openly. stretched his arms wide and I think it's this, the sign language forever for us if you want to know how much God loves you it's this much so listen if you're here today maybe you say preacher I've come to church and I've never never believed never given my life to Jesus been a spectator 
Listen, the kingdom of God is God's bringing his son to save you from your sins, to save us from our sins. There's a revolution that's begun. There's a revolution that's underway, and it's God at work in the hearts of us, forgiving us, removing the heart of stone, and giving us a new heart and a new life. So if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to forgive you, if you've never trusted Jesus with your life, if you've never crossed that line of faith, today is is your day of salvation. Today is your day. God set this day up just for you to throw open his arms and say, I've been waiting on you to come home. So right here, right now, don't let anything stop you. Your friends can't save you. Your job can't save you. People's opinions of you can't save you. Only Jesus can save you. There's only one mediator between us and God, the man, Christ Jesus. So today, right here in this moment, if you've never accepted Christ, I, I feel his spirit just drawing and tugging. You feel that, that tug on your heart. That's him. That's him right now. So right here in this moment, just throw up your white flag in your heart. Say, I surrender to the love of Jesus. I surrender to the peace. I surrender to the work of righteousness that God wants to do in my life. Just say these words right here. It's not everything you and God need to talk about, but right here, right now, a renaissance can begin with you. A, a revolution can begin inside of you. And it starts with Jesus. I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry, Lord. But I'm not running away anymore. I'm running to you today. And Jesus, I give you my life. And if a, a wicked woman could lean down and wash your feet with her tears and dry them with her hair, then I know you got room for me. And so I'm coming to you today. And I'm willing to give you my alabaster box. I'm willing to give you all of my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Beloved, if you pray that prayer, and you pray and you believe that with all your heart, tell somebody this week, man, I, I accepted Jesus. I accepted Christ. I want to pray. One more prayer today. Babe, would you come and join me? So we're getting ready for, for Easter next Sunday. I want to encourage you guys to invite somebody. And, and, and I, I do want to speak because God told me a long time ago, son, if it ain't worth talking about, it ain't worth doing. So it's okay if I just take a couple minutes and talk about our offering for next Sunday. I don't know how much you guys have been watching what's happening in the land of Israel but man, it's it's been wild over there. Their, their government has been shaken. There's been, um, I won't say riots, but protests in the streets, filling their streets. There's been civil unrest over there. There's been, um, uh, they, they've tried to shut down Christianity over there because revival is breaking out 
all over the streets of Israel. They're having to kick them out of the upper room. They're trying to push them off the, the, the western wall, which is the Temple Mount, because the spirit of our God is beginning to infuse the land of Israel and calling them to repentance again. And just the fact that all of this is happening in this moment, while we're supposed to, while I feel led to call to Israel, I believe it's the Lord. And actually, I was asking one of my friends, I said, I said, um, man, what do y'all do for missions? He says, well, every year, um, the, the church, our denomination will give to a certain place every month. And I said, well, this year for Easter, we're, we're going to bless the people of God. And guys, the promises of Almighty God attach to blessing the people of Israel. Man, if you ain't got any money, borrow some. Pick up some coins off the floor. Get, I mean, come next Sunday with, with rejoicing because we're, guys, we're, we're participating in something Jesus began. The kingdom began with, the, with palm branches in the city of Jerusalem. And we're coming back 1,990 years later to just stoke the fire as revival is breaking out all over Israel. We want to come behind those churches and those ministries that are preaching the hope that is only found in Jesus Christ to the people of Israel and just breathe on that and fan that flame and bless them. And I, I believe it'll honor the Lord. So I never ask you guys to step into these moments that I myself am not going to be willing to step deeply in, sacrifice into. So I don't want to twist your arm. I don't want to, you know, I just pray about it. Pray about it. And, and I think it's interesting in Sunday school, they've been talking about in the book of Romans, and it just happens to end in this time and this moment is about God's heart for Israel in our Sunday school class right now. I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't. And so I, I just, can we pray about that together right now? Is that okay? And um, and then I'm going to ask my wife to dismiss us in prayer. But Father, we, we remember 1,990 years ago, the king of righteousness came into the city of Jerusalem as they cut down palm branches, as they begin to proclaim the victory of Jesus. Lord, I believe there's something happening again in the place of Israel. Lord, I believe you're once again stirring the hearts. I feel like God with the revivals breaking out over there, there's a fresh cutting of the palm branches. Lord, I don't believe this is an insignificant moment. I believe you're inviting our congregation, our families to be a part of sowing into what you're doing and have been doing for all this time. Jesus, you told us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So right here and right now, God, we obey your word and we pray for Israel. We pray for their government, God, to find the, the path to peace. We pray for the reforms that need to happen can happen in unity. And God, we pray that the ministries and the churches and the people of God who are in those areas preaching Christ will just Lord, be emboldened, that they'll be strengthened, that the anointing of God will come upon those places to bring signs and wonders and miracles through the name of your son, Jesus. And God, I thank you, Lord, for the lost coming home. As Jesus, even you said, you were sent to the lost sheep. 
of the house of Israel. Lord, I count it a sacred honor and a privilege to not just make this up, but to be invited into this moment by the Spirit of our God to sow into the work you're doing there. So, Lord, would you show us what we need to do? Would you prepare our hearts to be a part of the revolution that is bringing hope, that is bringing renewal, that is bringing unity, that is bringing grace, that is bringing mercy and redemption to lives all over the world? Thank you for allowing us to be a part of the gospel, the good news. Lord, it's an honor. Thank you. Thank you. As we get ready to dismiss, I know I've gotten a lot of texts this week. Um, I do want to let you know we have a prayer team. They meet every Tuesday night at 6, but we also, they pray through the week. So I've, I've gotten a lot of texts last night, this morning, of people who are needing prayer. And so we'll be adding those. Um, this is Tabitha. She's actually our prayer coordinator. So if you have stuff that you want added to that, just let her know, and we'll be covering those things in prayer. And uh, we have been praying. We actually prayed Friday night at our board meeting, so the names are back there um, in the gathering room. But we're going to pray for all the lost people that we have, even in those um, baskets that we want to pray, whether they come to this church or they go somewhere else. It's about the kingdom of God. And so we want to... I know Easter is a big weekend, and so we just want to pray. So, Father, we thank you, God, as we're getting ready to dismiss out of this building. God, we, do, we take you with us. And so, Father, I just pray for every name, God, that has been written down, God, that's been spoken, those that are in our hearts, God, that need you, that, Lord, that you would begin to put people, laborers, into their lives. Father, that your goodness would draw them, Father, to repentance. Father, that they would begin to have ears to hear, that they'll begin to see the signs that you have in this world right now, God. Those that are, God, searching, that are that feel like that there's something more. God, would you draw them and lead them to places, God, that they will find you. And Lord, I thank you. You said when we search for you, God, that we will find you. And so I thank you. You don't hide from us. So Lord, we ask for salvation. God, we ask as we come to celebrate next week in resurrection, lives being changed, set free, God, coming into wholeness and forgiveness and restoration. We thank you for that, Lord. And we thank you for your goodness. Bless each and every person. Be with us this week. God, Give us your victory, God. Let us stand on your word and your promises. And we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you need prayer, we'll be down here to pray with you as well. For more information, to give, or if you need prayer for anything, visit us online at reallifeministries.org. Shalom.